We're here for another episode of Declaration Life. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Christabel Braden. Today, it's the first week of March and the first episode of March. March is Brain Injury Awareness Month, and as a lot of you know, I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury. So for today's episode, I'm so excited to welcome guest Amy Zelmer. She is a brain injury survivor, an advocate, and founder of Faces of TBI, as well as the Brain Health Magazine, and she's done so much in the brain injury community. I'm so excited she's here to share some of her story and awareness and encouragement with all of you today. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your worth. On every episode, we start with a declaration segment before we head into the interview. And that is because I firmly believe that what we tell ourselves matters. The message of this podcast is to tell yourself the right things and to live a life empowered and know that your life matters and your story matters and that you can live with intention and purpose. So today's declaration is, I am not limited by what's happened to me. I know that'll resonate for a lot of brain injury survivors, but even if you are not a TBI survivor, we all have had things that have happened in our life that have happened outside of our control that feel like they limit us. And it can get so tiring to live with it every day. Now, in my personal life, in my journey, I am a survivor of brain injury. And as I mentioned in the introduction, this is Brain Injury Awareness Month. And on today's interview, we are going to be talking about, you know, more about brain injury and everything. But in my personal life, I just get tired of dealing with symptoms of brain injury. I get tired of it. I've been living with this for 12 years now. And it's like, I was just talking to my mom today. I was just like, when is it ever going to stop? When is it ever going to go away? I'm tired of living with brain fog. I'm tired of living with headaches. I'm just tired of it. Tired of dealing with it. And we can really get hard on ourselves and we can really get down on ourselves when we have things that happen in our life and things that happen to us. But we have to remember that we're not limited by those things. I might have certain limits because of my brain injury. You know, I might not be able to do as many activities. I get fatigued a lot quicker with neuro fatigue. But despite all of that, I can still move forward and I'm not limited by the trauma that's happened in my life. I can choose to live my life in a way that I can have purpose and I can encourage others and I can bring hope to people. So it all depends the way that you look at limits. So when we think about, you know, our, our daily limits, that's a language that we tend to use when it comes to, oh, I can only do A, B, and C today, or because of my injury, because of my brain injury, I can only, I can't push myself too far. And while those are good, that's a way that you kind of learn how to navigate your daily life 
but I really want to encourage you in your overarching life that even though you might have daily limits, you're not limited in your potential and you're not limited in your ability to make an impact on others. So even if you might feel limited by your symptoms or limited in your daily life by headaches and fatigue, I know that I feel that way. Remember that your voice matters and your story matters and you can still make an impact. And I would argue that you could make an even deeper impact on the world around you because you are an overcomer and you are a warrior, a different kind of warrior. You are a fighter and you are moving forward every single day and you're choosing to keep going and you're not limited by your past and you're not limited by your struggles and you're not limited by your trauma. You're not limited by any of that. You can move forward and know that you can make a difference in this world and you already are. And remember that when you have faith, faith can move mountains, right? (laughs) I love that quote that says, faith is not seeing the whole staircase. It's just taking the first step. You know, we might not be able to see everything that's going to come ahead, but we can continue to take that first step every day. Take a step and know that no matter what has happened in your life, God is with you and he has a plan for you and you are not limited. God can take you beyond all of that and he already is working in your life. So keep moving forward and remind yourself that you are not limited by the things that have happened to you. I am so excited to kick off Brain Injury Awareness Month with the one and only fabulous Amy Zummer. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you know I had to have you on here. (laughs) (laughs) Amy is amazing. We've known each other for a couple of years now through the TBI community She was actually in my We're Gonna Make It music video. Yeah. And I'm really excited for all that she has to share today and for our conversation about brain injury awareness. She does so much for the brain injury community. She has a magazine called The Brain Health Magazine. She also has a podcast of her own, Faces of TBI. She's a speaker and a writer and just all sorts of boss lady over here, as well as a photographer. And she is also a brain injury survivor, of course. So welcome. Thank you. I would love to get started by asking you just to share some of your story and your journey with brain injury. Uh, Yeah. So 2014, uh, February, I was walking down our driveway at our apartment building and it has a pretty steep inclined to it. And I had my little Yorkie pixie in my arm because she did not want to walk that day because it was too cold. And I guess I should have just listened to her. Um, But I stepped on a patch of black ice. And because I was on such an incline and I had pixie in my arm, um, we think I kind of instinctively wrapped my arms around her like a baby. And I landed head first on the ground. And you know, I can still hear the sound of my skull making impact with the with the asphalt. And, you know, I didn't think I had lost consciousness. But when the doctor asked me, okay, so Pixie was in your arm. Where was she when you got up? 
I was like, oh gosh, she was at least 10, 15 feet away from me. Like she was sitting there shivering and staring at me. So clearly I was out for at least a short while. She'd had enough time to walk away from me. But, you know, I knew right away when I got up, I wasn't okay, but I had zero idea the enormous journey I was about to begin. You know, I went to the doctor right away. I was told I had a serious concussion and that was, you know, about all I was told in the beginning, just take some time to rest, take two weeks off. At the time I was a photographer, I had my own studio. I had been a photographer for about 20 years at that point. And the funny thing is my, my birthday was about six weeks later. It was actually my 40th birthday. So it was kind of a milestone birthday. And I had a party planned and I had to cancel it because I just was in no shape (laughs) to have a party. And it's kind of weird. It's hard to explain. I mean, you might get it, but like it it took me a long time to realize I was in my (laughs) forties. Like I'm 45 now. And I still am like, wait, am I actually 40? Because that whole first year, I just, I don't have a lot of memory. Like I have bits and pieces of fragments of memories. You look super young. Like I actually, I, I, well, thank I thought you. you were like thank in you. your early 30s. Like, I mean, I could see you getting confused when you look in the mirror. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. I really did. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, I still am like, wait, how old am I? <laughs> I have to do the math. Um, it's super bizarre and a crazy journey. I was very connected in the photography community at the time. And many of those friends just kind of drifted away and, you know, they'd have comments like, well, you look fine. You know, it's been six weeks. I don't get it. Why aren't you better? And I mean, I didn't know why I wasn't better either, (laughs) right? Like I want it to be better. (laughs) I wasn't. Yeah. So what did it look like for you to realize like, oh, this is what a concussion is. This is what a brain injury is. Like I have a concussion. This is what that means. What did that process look like for you? (sighs) You know, it was about six weeks in when I realized I needed to hire an attorney to help me uh, because the building had been negligent. Therefore, you know, they needed to cover my medical expenses. And it was actually the lawyer who looked at me and said, you have a traumatic brain injury. And I was like, oh, what? (laughs) I mean, even at that point, I had still not heard the term traumatic brain injury. And I mean, I don't think I had even heard it. I guess probably I'd heard it on TV, but I I had no idea what that meant. I'd only heard concussion and everyone I knew who had had a concussion had like, you know, ultimately recovered from it. But now that I know what I know, I look back and I'm like, yeah, those people aren't actually Mm. recovered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And concussions are so downplayed in the media. Yeah. You hear, oh, well, it's just a concussion or... You watch TV shows like this infuriates me still. Like when I see somebody on a TV show and they're like, yeah, they got in a really bad accident. They have a concussion and then like mm-hmm. they're fine in the next episode. Like nothing happened. They're back to work. Yeah. But that impacts the society's view on what brain injuries are and the impact they have. Yes. People ask me like, oh, you're, you should be fine by now. Or like, oh, isn't that great that you're fully recovered? And it's it's hard because like, yeah, I've improved a lot, but the way people perceive concussions is largely due to the fact of the media misrepresenting concussions and 
sports and football and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which is thankfully getting a little bit better, but still intense. But like what you described, Amy, you were diagnosed with a concussion. Mm -hmm. And even while having one and living with it, especially in the early stages, you still didn't know what it meant. Right. Yeah, nobody had really told me what to expect. And I think it was like eight, six, eight weeks, somewhere in there. The doctor I had been seeing actually was like, because I would bring a list of things I wanted to talk to him about because otherwise I would completely forget. And I was still mixing up my words. I had a lot of aphasia, but I didn't hear it yet. You know what I mean? Like I would say the wrong word, but I didn't know it. And so he was observing... (laughs) Like, okay, she's not okay. Um, I'm going to send you for an MRI. I'm going to send you to the neurologist. And the neurologist, you know, she ordered an MRI, which obviously came back fine because MRIs, CTs, they don't show a concussion. They only show a bleed or significant damage, um, which fortunately I didn't have either. But, you know, she's like, well, we just have to give this some more time. And if you're not feeling better in six months, come back to see me again. And so I did six months later, (laughs) went back um, because nothing had improved. I mean, not even a little bit. I, you know, I was sleeping 14 hours a night and then still exhausted. I mean, like I use this level of exhaustion to explain it to people. Like I would get up in the morning, brush my teeth, take Pixie out to go potty, come in, lay on the couch (laughs) and take a little mini nap, get up, go back upstairs to my bedroom, attempt to take a shower and not even wash my hair because washing my hair was a whole other level of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. But just taking a shower, getting out of the shower and getting dressed and I would have to lay down for a nap. By then it was probably noon. Like that was the whole half of my day. That's all I could get done. And it's really hard for people to comprehend that when they see you able to talk and walk and drive. They just, you know, they can't comprehend that. And so I went back to the neurologist and she's like, well, I don't know. And that's literally like how she talked. It was just like, I did not feel at all that she was confident in what she was doing. And so she was very concerned about my neck pain. And she wanted to do Botox injections into my neck to help relieve the pain. And I was just like, honey, I am here for my brain injury. Like, I'll leave the neck to my chiropractor. Like, you know, and I'm like, is there something we should be doing? Should I be doing like OT or PT or some sort of therapy? And she's like, well, I don't think we need to do that yet. Let's just give it more time. And so hence began the just give it more time journey. (laughs) Super frustrating. So how did you get from there to where you are today? Well, at my one one year mark, I actually wrote a blog post just on my own personal blog about what I've been going through. I wanted to be able to share it with my clients because I had to cut way down on my business. I like wouldn't return emails because I just like forgot, you know, I would read it and then forget. And so I wrote it in part for my my clients to read, but really for like my friends who <laughs> I hoped that they would read it cuz you know they had all drifted away. I mean, literally the people I thought would be there to bring me a bowl of soup, right? Like if I had the flu, they would have been the first to be there. Well, maybe the flu is a bad example. Like a sprained ankle, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Something that's a little bit easier to understand cuz right. People can't comprehend 
brain injury because you can't see yeah. it. Yeah. So these are people I really thought would be there. And they weren't. And they actually said really rude and mean things to me. Like, it's not like you have cancer or something. It's not a big deal. Like, just get over it. And it was really hurtful. So I wrote a blog post that just really explained what I was going through. And a friend I had made post-injury, she was a neighbor, she suggested that I submit it to the Huffington Post. And I remember being like, why? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know. I just have a feeling. I think that, you know, somebody needs to read this. And so she did all the research to figure out how to submit it. And we got it submitted. And I heard back in just like two hours that they wanted to run it. And I was like, wow, gosh, cool. I hope somebody reads it. <laughs> and then it went live about two weeks later. And it just went stupid viral. Like I still look back and I'm just in awe. Like how did that piece go so viral? I mean, like it was up to 50,000 likes after like two, three days. Yeah. It's a great post. That's where I first read about you. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking back, I'm like, I'm so thankful for that friend that had that intuition to tell me to do it. So then that led to thousands of people I mean, emailing me, tweeting at me, Facebook messaging me. And because I was self-employed, it was pretty easy to Google me <laughs> and find me um, for better or worse. And that's when I realized, holy cow, I'm not alone. There's like thousands of us out here. So that was February of 2015. And shortly after the post went up, a woman told me about Brain Injury Awareness Day in Washington, D.C. And that was coming up in like three weeks and so I did a GoFundMe and my little group of like 300 people that I had just met or not met, but just, you know, gotten into my Facebook group. These people, you know, they each pitched in a couple dollars and I went out to Washington, D.C. that first that first year for Brain Injury Awareness Day. And I was like, wow, there's so many of us. We are like awesome. <laughs> And these these are still some of my closest friends, you know, these fellow brain injury survivors. We all get each other. And, you know, someone starts, you can just see it, right? When somebody starts like crashing, they've hit their wall for the day. And, you know, like we help them, we carry stuff for them, we give them a protein bar, we get them a water, you know, we just all help and support each other. And, it's such a crazy, cool community to be a part of. Yeah. I remember, I think it might have been last year or the year before, um, you and me and Stephanie were like sitting in the back, like so tired yes. at the end of the day. We're just like sitting in chairs like, uh, I can't <laughs> yep. stand anymore. My a brain is done. Like day. <laughs> and we all understood like we were not in any shape of mind for conversation. We were yep. just like done talking for the day yep yep <laughs> it's like a That's one good. one word sentence and you know what each other means <laughs> yeah it's good and yeah Amy you've I just want to say thank you like you've made such a really big impact in the TBI community you've really really made uh I keep saying impact, but that's the word. You've made an impact in awareness and in helping survivors know that they're not alone. So you did a campaign called Not Invisible. Can you share mm -hmm. a little bit about that and what that means to you? 
Yeah. So shortly after like that Huff Post piece and everything started to kind of take off for my advocacy work, um, that same friend that had helped me get in on Huff Post, she's like, I think you need to do some sort of photography project with brain injury. And at that point, I was still too broken. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the bandwidth. But I knew that she was right. I knew that I somehow needed to mesh photography with brain injury awareness. And so early last year, so January of 2019, I kicked off my campaign and it's hashtag not invisible. And basically what I'm trying to do is travel to as many states as I can and partner up with their local brain injury association or alliance. And I'm holding events. I spend about 45 minutes sharing my story. And then I spend about a half hour um, taking headshots of the survivors who want to be part of the campaign. And then I'm sharing their image with just a real short, brief vignette of what happened to them. And the concept is, you know, a brain injury is invisible, but we are not. And just to show while we might look normal, we're all different ages, we're all different races, ethnicities, colors, genders, and in different career paths that we were on at the time, or, you know, a child that was in school. And just to show it can affect anybody at any time. And it literally happens in the blink of an eye. And, you know, just sharing the different ways that people are impacted, you know, it could be a car accident. I fell on the ice. Um, you were hurt playing a game, right? Yeah. Sports. Just so many different ways that you can acquire a brain injury. Yeah, just falls like yours. Just, yep. You fell on your own property, like right at your apartment building. Yeah, exactly. And I've had re-injuries. My most recent one this past December, I just fell down the stairs going to our basement. Yep. And it I did really that too. impacted me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still I'm still recovering. Trying to get back to where I was last November, which wasn't even recovered, but on the TBI journey when you get yeah. re-injuries and they build on each other, it's like I'm still not where I was before I fell in December. Mm-hmm. And people yeah. just don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I fell down the stairs also. I missed, I thought I was on the floor and I still had oh. one step. So like I took this and as I remember as I was taking it, I'm like, oh, I'm flying. <laughs> and yeah. my shoulder smashed into the corner of the bathroom. And, you know, I didn't hit my head, but, you know, that's just a lesson that you do not have to hit your head to have a brain injury. I landed on my knee. So I was more concerned about my knee and my shoulder. And then as the days went by, I was like, holy cow, I have aphasia really bad. And I notice I still have it. I forget words a lot. Mm-hmm. Like my balance and everything was off. So it was amazing how such a relatively minor injury, I guess you could say, had mm-hmm. such a setback for me. Yeah. And because like when you already have a brain injury, it's a lot easier to get them. Yeah. And it's like we are your whole life. You have to live differently. Mm-hmm. Every single time I go down the, down the stairs, like I have to hold on to the railing and walk slowly. You have to just constantly pay attention to that because you have to protect your head even more. Like something that somebody without a TBI, they might fall down the stairs, miss a step. No big deal. They just bounce right back from it. They don't even think about it. They forget it ever happened. And we don't have that luxury when you have a TBI. 
every day kind of sometimes looks different. Last night, I had such a bad migraine. I was slur like I would get to the third word in the sentence and then I would just slur everything. I couldn't say a full sentence. I would get like to just a couple words in and then my words would just start to completely slur and my balance was off. I was like falling over. I just couldn't function. And that just happened last night. Mm-hmm. Today I'm recording this podcast and I'm talking. Yep. <laughs> and it's crazy because like people don't see that stuff. They don't see like, oh, you know, Chris Bell, yeah, she has a brain injury. Amy has a brain injury. And like, yeah, they've gone through so much and they're using their voices to help people. But they don't see like, yeah. you know, <laughs> the hard days and the struggle that it takes to even get there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so this year, this is our fourth year of the Brain Health Online Summit. And this is the first year that I have recorded the videos and it's video. So you can physically see me and as well as hear me. And this is the first year I did not have a headache in any of my, my interviews. Um, the first three years, there are definitely some that I can see it. Like I look at it and you can just tell by my face, like you just can tell, like if you know what to look for, you can just tell I have a headache this year it was so cool to like look back and be like wow I didn't have a headache for a single one because you can't always reschedule everything right like when you're trying to juggle professionals with their schedule and your schedule sometimes it's really really challenging to reschedule so you just kind of like suffer through it right and sometimes you can't sometimes it's too significant of a headache that you can't but but yeah, it's it's a very fine line. It's like at my shows too. Like, yeah, exactly. I can't just reschedule a concert that's people bought tickets for and that's been like advertised. And that's where like I have, you know, strategies in place. I have migraine medication. I'm only supposed to take it one or two times a week. It's like my rescue medication. But if I know I'm having off, like I'll suffer through a day completely because I know I have to take the medication the day I have my show. And I have to do what I can to just get through that. And then I have recovery time afterwards. But people only see that one hour that I'm on stage. Mm -hmm. After when I do my not invisible events or when I keynote at a conference, you know, everybody wants to come and talk to you, which is fabulous. I love meeting people. But man, it's like it's exhausting because you've literally had to save up every ounce of energy to perform And then you have like zero left. (laughs) And then you still have to just kind of like smile and say hi. And um, yeah, Yeah. it it can be really challenging. It is. It's tough. And sometimes when I do like the meet and greets afterwards, I'll sit down. I'll sit in a chair and like I can't even like have the energy (laughs) to stand. But like I love talking to people and doing that. And it's just part of daily life. So like if anyone listening, if you are a brain injury survivor or if you have a chronic illness or If you have something that you live with, I just hope that you know that you're not alone. And like Amy said, you're not invisible. Yeah. If you suffer through your daily life and then you go to the grocery store and you see a neighbor there and they're like, oh, she's doing awesome. And you feel misunderstood. I just want you to know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. your story matters. You're not alone in that type of struggle. And whether it's mental health or physical health or whatever it is. There are invisible battles we all fight and that we all deal with and that we all go through. 
but we have to do what we can to push through sometimes, but it, it can take a toll. It can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be really, really challenging when, you know, like you said, when somebody sees you like at the grocery store and they're like, Oh look, she's out shopping. She must be totally fine. And, you know, meanwhile, like the lights are shining in your eyes and you can't concentrate and you don't remember what you came to the store to buy in the first place. And yeah, you know, everybody has a battle. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always been an empath, but this injury has definitely made me much more empathetic and sympathetic. And like, I can, you know, you just see it on somebody like, you know, you can see somebody standing in the checkout lane at Target and you can just see the look on their face that they're struggling with something and, you know, just just a smile or hi, you know, just saying hi to someone as you walk by. It can really make their day holding the door. I remember early on, like that whole first year, I had a lot of physical Um, I had whiplash and torn muscles and dislocated sternum. So I had a lot of upper body injuries as well. And like trying to carry my groceries to the car, (laughs) that alone was a task. But then like if it didn't have an automatic door, it was like, oh my gosh. And like the person in front of you, you know, like they just kind of let it slam behind them and you're just like, (laughs) like, like cussing at them under your breath and like holding the door for people. It can just mean so much. Like you, you just saved me so much energy just by simply holding the door open. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like compassion for the people around you and the people that you encounter. Cause yeah, like we have invisible things going on with us, but we don't know what invisible things that other people are struggling with too. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is dealing with their own internal battle and, you know, it just, it might just be a mom who had a screaming two year old in the house before they left to go, (laughs) to go get something at the grocery store. You know, I mean, it, it can be anything, you know, maybe you just had a fight with a coworker or your boyfriend or, you know, you got some bad news from the doctor. I mean, just everybody has a battle and, you know, we have to wear our, our brave face when we go out and just having that compassion and showing some humanity, um, you know, just can go a long way. That's so, so true. And the fight that it can even take to get out the door is like, it's real. Like the struggle is real. Just even to just, like you said, shower and get Mm -hmm. dressed and, you know, get yourself to your doctor's appointment or wherever you need to go. Like, yeah, that's a journey and a struggle. And yeah, having compassion for the people around you. So, Amy, in your travels and journeys through brain injury and all of your campaigns and speaking and advocacy work, um, what's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned it can be personal, it can be brain injury related, it can be just not brain injury related. Um, you know, I've really, one of the biggest things I've had to learn is understanding my limits, especially once I started feeling better. You have a couple really good days and you're like, yes, I'm going to get 28,000 things done today because I feel good. <laughs> and then you're like zapped for like four days, right? Like, one one good day forward is like four bad days backwards, right? Yeah. 
And so just really learning how to balance my energy, especially when I'm traveling. Um, I know people all the time are like, I don't know how you travel. I don't know how you do all the things you do. And it's like, well, you don't see behind the curtain and see the naps and, you know, the three days of not doing anything. You know, I don't even leave my hotel room for three days sometimes, like, because I'm just recharging. So, you know, people don't see the bad side, or I don't even, I don't even say it's the bad side, but just, you know, they don't see that other side. Yeah. They only see the public side of you. That's true. And sometimes it can be well-meaning and sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be just mean. Right. Sometimes people are like, you know, oh, like you're doing so well. Like, you know, like they they mean well, like they're trying to compliment you or whatever. And they're trying to be nice. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they really don't get it. (laughs) Like they don't get the struggle I go through. And then sometimes people are judgmental and mean and they're like, Mm Oh, so you're doing all this stuff for brain injury, but like, you know, you can do all this. So like you must, it must not really be that serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been accused of not actually having a brain injury and that I just fake it for the attention. <laughs> <laughs> I buy brain injury survivors. So, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, I do all this. Yeah. Like it's, it's tough. You know, I do all this work. That doesn't pay me anything. <laughs> like you wanted to stop your successful photography <laughs> right, studio. Right, yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's that's the other side of brain injury. You know, like I feel fortunate that I did not have that type of injury. But, you know, other people have impulse control, anger, rage issues, paranoia, jealousy. You know, those are all symptoms of brain injury, depending on where you damaged your brain. And so, you know, (laughs) being an advocate in the brain injury world, you're sometimes going to get lashed out at by people because that's just their brain injury talking. And it doesn't make, well, it does help it not sting as bad, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what you said about learning your limits is good <laughs> because that's something that we all need to do to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. but especially when you have a brain injury or yeah. a chronic illness, like you said, you'll have a good day and you know it's going great. And then you're just set back for so long. And it's, it's hard not only for other people to understand, but also for yourself often. Cause you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, I'm doing awesome today. And then the next day you look in the mirror and like your hair is sticking up and <laughs> your face, like you have bags under your eyes and like you just look like a wreck. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, am I still the same woman? Like, I don't know. So I have a good story. So early on, I'm talking like just a couple of months into my injury. Um, I had a lot of, um, I had a lack of awareness And so for dinner, I made, I don't know, I made like spaghetti. And then I'm like, okay, I need to go to Target tonight. And I went to Target a lot because it was wintertime. And I just wanted to get some exercise. And so I would go to Target. That was like my safe place. And I would just walk up and down all the aisles of Target to get in my exercise with a cart. But I get home. And as I walked in my front door, there's like a mirror, like a, a little, um, 
Oh, I can't think of what it's called. But there's like a mirror with some hooks and stuff. That's where I like kept my jacket and everything. <laughs> and I walked in the door and I was like, are you kidding me? I went out in public like this. I had spaghetti sauce on my face, on my shirt. My hair was all over the place. I, I think I had a hat on because it was cold. So at least the hat covered up my hair. But I was like, are you kidding me? Like that lack of awareness. It didn't even occur to me. Hey, you should wipe your face off before you leave the house. So, yeah, that's that's a memory that really like Aww. sticks with me. <laughs> I walked around Target for like an hour with spaghetti on my face. Oh, that's okay. It's okay. You know, we all have those those times and things, and like a little two year old. Yeah. Luckily, I had my mom that took care of me like I was a two year old <laughs> because my brain injury happened as a teenager. So. Yeah. It's just, it's a different journey depending on where yeah. you are in life. Yep. I had two younger sisters. I had a four-year-old sister when my brain injury happened. So my mom was still in like little kid mommy mode because my sister was in preschool. Yeah. And so after I got injured, it was like she was already still in that mode of taking care of a small child. And I started acting like a small child. So she would just, you know. Wipe your face. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Amy, you you're so strong. Like, I know you don't always probably feel strong because I don't (laughs) when people tell me I'm strong. I'm like, no, I'm not. You don't know. But I want to say from one survivor to another, like I see strength in you. And I just so appreciate the lengths you go to to make life better for other brain injury survivors. Because when you go through something like it's it's hard to even just come out of it yourself, but then to come out of it and then do something with it. That's just beautiful. And I'm so glad our paths have crossed, even though unfortunately it was us both having brain injuries that caused that to happen. (laughs) At least some good came out of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. And I feel the same way about you, you know, I mean, we're, we're in different age brackets, you know, and I feel like you really have that ability to touch, um, teenagers and 20 somethings in a way that I can't, you know, they can relate more to someone who had a brain injury when they were 13, 14. And, you know, it takes, it takes all of us. Yeah. Speaking to pediatric brain injury. Yeah. Yeah. Is like, I know nothing about it. (laughs) I can't relate necessarily to people who've already had their lives and careers and then had their TBI. Because, like, I didn't have to reset my life having already have a career. I've, I was fortunate enough that if I was going to have a brain injury, like, it happened before I went to college and before I picked my career path. And so, you know, I still live with my parents. I still have that um, help and covering. And I w- I'm able to tailor my career around having a TBI mm-hmm. and around my energy levels. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I started to do. It was just way too hard to carry on as a photographer. There was too many moving parts and running a business and honestly, I had really lost the creative ability. Like I would look through my lens and be like, I don't even know what to do. Like it just, it probably took more mental bandwidth than I realized. Cause mm-hmm. you know, before brain injury, you just, you don't even think about things. You just do them. And I remember I, I had no idea, like if I was blowing out an image, I was overexposing it. And I'd be like, what do I need to fix? What do I need to change? Like, yeah, there's a lot of thinking on your feet with photography. Yeah. yeah. 
I would have to go through all the things in my head. Okay, is it the f-stop? Is it the ISO? Is it the shutter speed? Like I'd literally have to think about it. And then I'd have to like figure out how to change the settings where, you know, before brain injury, I didn't even think about it. I just did it right. Like my thumb knew where to go on the button. Um, So yeah, it was, it was, it was really crazy how things changed. And I feel really fortunate that, you know, I have been able to transition into doing what I'm passionate about. And, you know, I just I want other people to find resources sooner so that they don't yeah. struggle for years before they find someone 100%, um, yeah. that can help them. That's why we fight so hard for hard for advocacy, yeah. too. Like yep. it's not just for the people who have brain injuries, but it's for the people who are going to get brain yes. injuries. Yeah. Because if there's more awareness, then once they go to the hospital and they're like, oh, I have a concussion, they might know a little bit better. Like, oh, wow, this is actually really serious. That's what we want. Yes. Eventually, we want to have happen. Like when you go to the hospital, you get that news. Everyone who's like is like, oh, that's like a big deal. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now it's better than it was 10 years ago. But they're still like they think they're just going to be fine. Oh, it's just a concussion. And it's it's just some people are some people have a mild concussion and they come out a couple of weeks later and mm-hmm. they do a lot better. And some people have a mild concussion and their entire life changes and they can't even function. Yeah. Yep. The brain is just so complex. It's just hard to tell what it's going to be. Yeah. I met a gal. Um, she hit her head on the kitchen cupboard. She had bent down and came up. And I mean, who has not done that? Like. 10 times in their life, right? Like we've all done it. And for her, that was all it took. It just totally changed her life. And everybody thought she was crazy because I mean, like I said, who hasn't hit their head on a cupboard door? And so nobody could relate. They're like, oh, she's just making it up. She's just attention seeking. And I felt so bad because I could see her struggling. Like, I, I think you probably get it. Like you can see it in the eyes. Yeah. A friend of mine had posted a picture on vacation with a friend of hers. And I was like, okay, this is going to sound weird, but does your friend have a concussion? And she's like, how would you know? <laughs> I was like, I can tell by her eyes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I just felt so badly for this woman. And even the doctors weren't really taking her seriously. And that's the worst part. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> uh, I can't even tell you how many, like, dozens and dozens probably like over a hundred at least doctors that I've been that I've been to yeah (laughs) of course it's been 12 years but you know it's it's hard to find the right care and if we can just work harder to bring awareness like we're doing Mm -hmm. hopefully 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 it'll make other people's lives easier yeah Well, thank you so much for coming on here, Amy. Before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom? You know, just if if you suspect you've had a concussion, seek out other resources. And, you know, if doctors just keep telling you, oh, you just have to give it more time or there's nothing we can do for it, just know that that's not true there there is help out there and no matter how far out you are from a concussion you can still get help um you know you might not ever get back to a hundred percent but I feel like I'm between 85 and 90 percent better wow and for me that's okay you know I don't expect that I'll ever get back to a hundred um I 
definitely am not <laughs> that far. But I've also had like, like I've had like 12 re-concussions in the last 12 years. Well, and you know, and that's, I think that's a valid point worth mentioning too, that once you've had a concussion, it's very easy to get another one. You know, like I said, we don't even have to hit our head. And when you have a concussion, your balance is already off. Your depth perception's off. Can I just explain really quick for people who aren't familiar with concussions, what she means by when you don't have to hit your head, like a concussion happens when your brain bounces inside your mm-hmm. skull. So like if you fall or you jar your body really hard, your brain can still bounce, which can cause a concussion, even if you don't physically hit your skull right, on something. Right. Like I think both you and I, when I fell, I hit my skull and you hit your skull on the wall, correct? And then the floor. Yeah, yeah, and the floor. So yeah. we literally hit our heads with our initial injuries, but you don't have to. You know, a lot of people are in car accidents and don't physically hit their head. The brain just gets bounced around inside the skull. And, you know, there's nothing protecting our brain. It's literally your brain, <laughs> fluid, and a skull. It's a very, very fragile organ. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to hit your head. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the things that is very commonly misunderstood about concussions and brain injuries. It doesn't always happen from just a hit to the head. There are a lot of ways to get a brain injury, not just traumatic, like car accidents and falls and other things, but also strokes and brain tumors and brain aneurysms. And there are so many things that can cause brain injuries and very similar symptoms. So all that to say... Thank you so much, Amy, for coming on the podcast and sharing about brain injury awareness to help us kick off Brain Injury Awareness Month this year. So if someone's listening and wants to connect with you on uh, your resources and all the stuff that you have available, where should they go? So they can find my main website is facesoftbi.com. And that's where you can find my podcast. My podcast is also called Faces of TBI. um, And you can stream it on most platforms. Then the magazine is thebrainhealthmagazine.com. And you can get a free digital subscription from anywhere in the world. And then during the month of March, we have uh, Dr. Jeremy Schmo and I have created the brainhealthonlinesummit.com. And each day during the month of March um, is a presentation from either a provider, a caregiver, or a survivor, just sharing their story and different methods and modalities for helping people get better. So, yeah, I think those are my main, my main three websites. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. How are you? I appreciate <laughs> you taking this time. So, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.